Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nixon. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Caps. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome back to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, where today's guest is one Brian Fetzer. Brian is the only track and field coach to ever produce final four finishes at three different levels. He was the national coach of the year at a junior college, at a junior college level, at a Division II school, Gardner-Webb, and at the Division I level. Um, Three-time coach of the year, which is absolutely amazing. Coached 23 national champions, 139 All-Americans. The bio, I could continue to go on for about probably 24 hours reading your bio. Um, 2017, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Coach of the Year while at Virginia University, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, So I just want to say, you know, thank you for allowing me to have a conversation with you today. Thank you for being here, Brian. Well, I, I'm going to need to hire you to be my publicist and my, uh, my hype man, I think. Goodness gracious. I mean, well, it, it's it's funny. Most of those kind of things that when you, when you get introduced or somebody looks up information and stuff like that, um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I, I forget it, but sure. some, of it, it, some of it comes back and you're like, wow, yeah, that's, that's right. I've been. I did do that. <laughs> when you do it a while, it, it, it is. Um, sure. But it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been very blessed. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, to eventually be in a sport that I really wasn't a part of. Right. And, and to have, uh, success beyond belief. Um, it, it kind of makes me shake my head a lot of times. Sure. I mean, if you ask me, you know, were you a track coach? Um, I kind of, I don't know if you ever, have you ever seen the movie, uh, Happy Gilmore. Sure. Where Happy Gilmore, I mean, he's he's so um, he's gonna be a hockey player. He's gonna be a hockey player. He's gonna be a hockey player. You know, if you'd say, you know, what do you coach? I'd be like football. But I really was a football coach for a cup of coffee. Sure. Um, but uh, you know, it, it took me a little while to kind of grasp through that that I was a track and field coach, not a football coach. Well, you know, I know I know you are a person of faith because of you know, how I come in contact with you was through one Phil Wickwar. And, sure. you know, I would, I would say this, the good Lord, I think has a plan for us all, you know, and yeah. sometimes your plan might be, you know, I plan on being a football coach, but the good Lord's plan was something different. So let me start with this. This was, this was the story as I got it from coach Wickwar. Okay. Phil was oh, coaches here at Nixa. And, you know, I asked him, you know, like, tell me a little bit about Brian. Okay. So he says they're at a AFCA coaching clinic years ago. You were about 21 years old. Kurt Nichols was the head coach. 
Kurt Nichols has you come in and interview for a job, which I think might have been secondary, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he kind of interviews you and you leave the room. And uh, Coach Wickworth said him and a couple of the other assistants looked at him and was like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, that's our coach, man. Go out there and hire him. And supposedly he comes, he runs out the door, catches you, and hires you at rank at a Ranger Junior College, right in Texas, yep. where I know you were the secondary coach and a recruiting coordinator. And Phil Wickwar speaks absolutely. I'm gonna tell you what, this is what he said, and I thought this was a great compliment because I know these two people are, you know, uh, really good coaches. He said that he said he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of like Willie Fritz, or he's kind of like you know, Art Bryles, or he's kind of like those guys. He's just special. You know, he's a, he's a special dude. So, you know, I want to thank Phil for hooking me up with you. And, you know, that is for him to say that much about you at such a young age, like he just went on and on and on about your work ethic, your desire, your heart, your faith, you know, and Phil has been for me here in Nixon, man, he has been a, what a blessing, you know, that dude right there can, Bless me on days when I'm not having a good day because he is walking with the good Lord. And, you know, every single day he's trying to make other people's lives better. And, you know, he's been a blessing, you know. So anyway, that, I just wanted to say that that was what. No, that, that, that's I mean, I mean, I, I remember the the in New Orleans, Louisiana at the AFCA yep. convention. And, you know, that was it, it was crazy because um, I, I actually turned down a job to be at, at Valdosta State with Hal Mummy to, to, to take the job at, uh, you know, at Ranger. And, and I learned so much. I, I mean, for a young coach to get thrown into the fire, coaching in junior college, having to learn to recruit. Um, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, we had, we had such a vast budget that I was making medicine balls out of duct tape and basketball right. and sand, you know? So, I mean, you know, doing it through that and then, you know, the coaches I was with James Darby, Bill Gams, um, you know, uh, Keith Wagner, um, and then and Phil being our, our boss, uh, it was, it was an incredible learning experience. And Phil was, Phil's amazing. Um, I learned, I learned way more from Phil than he probably would ever realize. And probably I could ever describe because sure. you just, you know, you're, you're, you're there and, you know, we had some great things and we had some horrible things. Sure. Um, and, and it was definitely not a, a large budget, uh, you know, orchestration by any stretch of the imagination. Well, one of the things, one of the things that he said, you know, and, and I coached in the junior college league in Mississippi a few years, but he what said, uh, Northeast community college, which is in Boonville, oh, yeah. uh, Boonville, Mississippi. I coached there for a couple oh, yeah. of years and it was a tough place, you know, like it's not yeah. in the state of Mississippi at the time because of the recruiting rules. It was, it was a challenge, you know? Um, but one of the things he said was Ranger was not, like some of the others and he said when you really when you took over you know the track program the track pro program was really laughable but by the time you had done it a couple of years you know like y'all finished second in the nation and you know the national junior college coach of the year so you know this is my first question you know like being open to a different path did that bother you did you know that, you know, the good Lord was putting something else on your heart. Like, how did you go? Because you were a football coach, you know, and I'm sure that's kind of what you identified yeah, as at that time. But then you transitioned into, you know, one of the better track coaches in America. Like, how did you, how did that go? Well, it, I mean, 
the Lord blessed me being able to recruit. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, cause without talent, it doesn't matter. Sure. Um, and it, it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's coaching. I don't care if it's a business. It, it's who you're surrounded with. Um, and, and I was fortunate to have incredible coaches, uh, that I was around when I was an assistant coach, when I was a head coach, I had an incredible staff at Virginia. I mean, you know, man, Pete Watson's the head coach at Boston college now. And, you know, and Martin Merrick, you know, out at Southern Cal and stuff like that. I mean, I, I had incredible, you know, coaches, um, that, that I was, that was, they were on our staff. Um, you know, and, and the, the thing about it, I mean, well, I, I can remember, you know, very vividly, you know, making the decision to leave football and, and just coach. And it was kind of one of those things like, like, it was like, God, is that what you want me to do? Right. And and if you want me to do it, if you want me to do it, you're going to have to help me out because I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, wow. you're going to be the focal point, not necessarily me, um, because I, I, I don't know. And so in having to learn track and field um, and learn how to coach, I was I was very fortunate who I learned from. I mean, I remember Amy Dean. Um, who's still the head coach at Miami, who's become a great friend. Um, she was one of the first people I got to learn from. She was a U.S. Olympic coach. You know, Lauren Seagrave, one of the best coaches ever. Um, you know, Clifford Valto from Kansas State, you know, right you know, right by you. I mean, one of the best multis coaches. You got to learn from him, Bush Nick Snyder. I had no clue who these people were. Um, you know, I remember get, trying to get a distance workout and, and, you know, being a football coach, you try to be resourceful. And I look up and I see, oh man, Arkansas is really good. So I pick up the phone and I call Arkansas and I get to talk to John McDonald, who literally is one of the greatest track and field coaches, won more national championships than anybody. And he starts answering my questions and, and talking to him later. He was kind of like, he remembered because he goes, not many coaches have the cojones to like, just call up somebody wow. and say, Hey how do you do this? I had no idea. And, you know, and, and like I said, the, the Lord kind of put these people in my path that I didn't learn bad mistakes early on. I, I, I mean, I learned from the best. Sure. And so that was fortunate, but, but surrounding yourself and having the ability to bring in um, talent that is, you know, is different and being able to recruit the right people, because no matter how kind of a coach you are, you're only as good as your athletes. Right. You know, there's the, the whole saying that Jimmy's and Joe's, I mean, that's, you know, you can go in the professional ranks and the college ranks. When you have superstars around you, you're a lot better coach. Sure. Than if you don't, um, you know, there's, you know, I can tell you right now, as good of a coach as Bill Belichick is, and he's one of the best ever, Nick Saban, best ever. If you stuck those two, at Stephen F. Austin, and I'm just making that school up, and said, win a national championship. It ain't going to happen because you're never going to get the athletes that sure. you can't compete against Texas. Sure. Or is. And, and I think that's the same in business, too. I mean, if, if you don't surround yourself with, even with the right personnel, you're not going to be as successful. Sure. But don't you think this? Don't you think that the skill that, you know, the, the things that makes Nick Saban successful at football are also the same things that make him successful at acquiring that talent. 100%. Well, you know people, want I mean? go, 
when, when you win. I mean, you know, well, I mean, I've, I've heard the brutal stories about how, how tough he is on a staff, sure. but, but it's holding people to an expectation that is, that is, you know, higher than you can think. Um, you've got to have accountability. Sure. And when you lose accountability, you know, you're going to lose focus. When you lose focus, you fail. Let me ask you this, because I think you just you just talked about one of the best nuggets for a young coach in the world. And I don't care the sport. It doesn't matter to me. If you want to be fantastic, pick up the phone and call somebody that's fantastic or yeah. drive across the, the United States of America and let them help you. I mean, would that be a fair assumption of, of how oh, you can I, I, get to the next I, level? Absolutely. I mean, I think the friends and the people that I go to advice for and the ones that I went to advice for probably in the last, you know, 10 years, at least the last eight years of my college and my coaching career, um, were not track and field coaches. They were my friends who coached basketball. They're sure. my friends who coached football, tennis. I mean, I mean, I think of I think of the conversations, uh, Matt Hill, who's the the head tennis coach at Arizona State. And we worked together at Mississippi State. And, and Matt and I would have conversations to wee hours in the morning about recruiting. And, and you're talking about tennis and track, different sports. But, you know, and I would call him up when I had questions about things. Um, Nick Folker, who, who was a, a, a swim coach, strength coach, many years, one of the best aquatic strength coaches in the world. You know, I'd go to him and, and ask him strength tra training questions. No doubt. Because he was really good. But, but you got to have you. I would say for a young coach, you have to have a network of coaches outside of of your sphere. You know, just because you're a football coach, don't just seek football coaches for right. expertise. There's going to be there's going to be coaches in your high school. There's going to be coaches in your college that are really good. I mean, when I think of the University of Virginia um, on our on our uh, our L, our, our hallway. Um, I mean, I had Dom Strarza at one point. He was the lacrosse coach. And then Lars Tiffany, who's won, you know, a couple national championships last year. His offices and lacrosse offices were to the left of our office suite. You had Brian Bolin, who won. He three-peated in tennis at Virginia. And then beside them, you had Steve Swanson, who was one of the national team coaches at, uh, you know, for the, the Women's World Cup team. You know, George... And you just went down that whole row of coaches and you had this fraternity of coaches that you could go sit and just sure. ask questions. You could go across the thing. Tony Bennett, um, you know, Bronco Mendenhall was amazing. I mean, those guys were, were great resources. Let's talk about life. I mean, I remember Bronco giving me a, 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 a movie, a documentary to watch um, about uh, – uh, a, and I, I, I'm obviously escaping my mind right now, but it was about, uh, you know, uh, a herder. Right. And, you know, that was, he, I mean, he's on the treadmill and walking and he was like, Hey, you know, Brian, like you, you need to watch this. It's a great thing. And it was just about relation. It was a, it was a documentary essentially about creating relationships. You know, what is, is, you know, there's a couple of things I thought about, you know, as you were saying that is, you know, I interviewed Chuck Box, who's a baseball coach at Texas A&M. And, you know, in his offseason, even when he was a high school coach or a small college coach, mm -hmm. he would go visit uh, big-time big college football programs in the springtime. That's who he visited, you know, like 
Um, I have interviewed on this podcast uh, Pat Murphy, the softball coach at mm. um, Alabama. Phenomenal. Yep. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and you are 100% correct that, you know, the people that you request or seek advice from has a huge influence. Let me ask you this. Why do you think, why do you think everybody don't do that? Because everybody don't do that. Well, I, I, I think sometimes it's fear, fear of rejection. Somebody mm-hmm. might be telling you, hey, I, I'm, I'm not interested in talking to you. Um, I, th- I think the, I think the intimidation factor of admitting you don't know it all. Sure. I mean, that's a tough thing for coaches. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's an egotistical driven, you know, sure. uh, society, you know, just period. And then especially at coaches, I mean, you know, to go to somebody and say, hey, you know what? I'm asking you a question on how to organize your practice. You're making you're making yourself vulnerable. Yep. I, I might not know what I'm doing. Um, or that might be the perception you think in your mind. Um, younger coaches, man, I I, I see this. I, I it, it's sad. Younger coaches don't want to pay their dues. Right. They they don't they don't want to like, grind and 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 go through it. I mean, you you mentioned Willie Fritz. I mean, I remember coaching against Willie when he was a blend. Um, what an admirable guy. I mean, no if you doubt. haven't got him on the podcast. You didn't try to get Willie on. I mean, you're talking about a guy that 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 did the the slow climb. Yes, he paid his dues. Paid his dues and did it really successful. I would be the first one to admit I couldn't have done that back then. I wanted to be I wanted to be at the top. I wanted to run my own program. Sure. I wanted to 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 be, um, you know, at the pinnacle. And when sure. when I went from Ranger to Gardner Webb. I, I thought I knew it all. You know, there was, I mean, I didn't understand why all these major division one schools weren't beating my door down. You know, Hey, well, I just, I just finished in the top four to junior college, right. finished in the top four to D two school. Why, why aren't they beating me down? And, and the good Lord kind of like, you know, gave me a little humble pie and let me be an assistant for eight years and let me kind of like learn. Sure. Because I was stuck in a situation really early on uh, of running things and the mistakes that I made, man, they were huge. Lots of things I'd go back and go, I would never think of doing that as a head coach the second go around. But like said, Willie, you know, he did the slow grind and there's no question. He will have Houston doing incredible things really quick. No doubt. He is, he is a phenomenal human being. And, you know, one of the greatest things that I've witnessed I would go down. I've been down to watch them practice uh, spring ball at Tulane several times. And, you know, as they're stretching and warming up, the stretch and the warm up last however long it takes Willie Fritz to physically put his hands on every single player. Like he will go by every single one of them and he's going to tap every one of them. And that's how long the warm ups last because that's just something that means something to him. And, you know, he is a phenomenal human. So that was when, you know, when Coach Wigworth said, you know, he put you in that category. I thought, wow, that's pretty good category right there. Hey, I, I will, I will take it. You know, every day plus a uh, plus eight sure. a day. Let me let me ask you this, um, because you have been around some phenomenal leaders. You know, Bronco Mendenhall, fantastic. Like I've I've just here recently found his podcast, um, and it is phenomenal. He just interviews various coaches from any sports. You know, and it's fantastic. Tony Bennett, right? Fantastic. 
what's what separates in your in your opinion what separates the best leaders that you've been around from the pack you know like what what separates the best ones like what do they have what do they do what are some of their characteristics or behavior skills i i would say integrity and a lack of ego mm. um I mean, I mean, those two incredible integrity. Um, they are who they are. And I think a lot of times you pe pe people, people will bash Bill Belichick or bash Nick Saban because they act a certain way. Sure. That's who they are. They're, they're, they're genuine. It, it's a total different thing. I mean, I mean, Tony Bennett getting up and, and talking about uh, I mean, the speech that he gave uh, after they lost, they're the first number one seed to ever lose in the NCAA tournament. Yep. The genuineness of what he said was him. Whereas you'll get other coaches that'll do the living room talk and they'll say one thing to the kid from Nixa. They'll say a different thing to the kid from Plano in Texas. They'll say a different thing to the kid because they're just trying to sell them. Or, or they change as the wind blows if they think it's not going to make them successful. Sure. And, and that is, you know, people, everybody has faults. Sure. Right? And, you know, but knowing your fault and, and having the integrity to, you know, stick with it, um, it it's – it's impressive. And, and I, I have, I've been around, I've been so fortunate to, to be around some, some great folks and, and Greg Littlepage, who is the athletic director of Virginia, um, incredible man of integrity, you know, and he, he, I, I, I thank him so much for giving me that shot, right. You know, to, to, to be, but he surrounded the athletic department with a lot of people of great integrity. Sure. I mean, his hires were phenomenal. Yeah, no doubt. National about championships, a lot of lot of ACC titles, and then you know you go to some other like Greg Burnt. Um, I mean, Greg was the athletic director when I was at Mississippi State. Right. And and I remember, I mean, I just remember interactions with Greg, incredible man of integrity, and and it does things the right way, and 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 you know put things in place the way they needed to be, which, sure. It's well, surrounding, but it, again, again, it goes back to my first statement earlier. You surround yourself with the right people. No doubt. Better success. No doubt about it. Let me ask you this. And this, man, feel free. To, this is an opinion. Okay. okay. So you can tell me I'm stupid if you want to, because I have this opinion. I feel like college athletics, especially football with the NIL, the transfer portal and all that. I feel like, it's going in the direction of promoting the coaches that will talk out of both sides of their mouth. You know, like the guy that'll go into Plano and talk differently than the guy that'll go in, you know, same guy go into Mississippi and, yep. and the guys like Willie Fritz are dwindling. Um, the guy that is legitimately probably a good human. That's not going to lie, cheat, steal, you know, like, is that, I mean, that's just my thought. That's a thought. Like, tell I mean, me I mean, I think, I think you, I think you saw the football with Dabo Sweeney in Clemson the last couple of years. Um, he was really against the portal, sure, and he had a ton of guys going the portal. Um, I mean, I mean, I look at that. I, I think there's a there's a much bigger 
there's a much bigger route to that. Um, I mean, I think parents have to do a much better job sure. of, of, you know, holding kids to the fire and realizing that failure is, is normal and that, and that you're not always going to get what you want and it's going to take time. And, you know, that, that's a parental, that's a parental problem. Um, and somebody will get mad at me for saying that, but that's real. Sure. It's, you know, I can think of the the student athletes that I had over the years, all the way back to, to the beginning, the ones that had parents that kept them accountable were really successful. The ones that kind of rode the waves and tried to jump off the ship at the littlest thing, they came from entitlement. Sure. And, and, and that's... It's truthful and it doesn't matter what sport. No, it does not matter. And I, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, that's one of my probably biggest regrets is that I didn't read the parent one-on-one manual, you know, like <laughs> my parents actually did a pretty good job. Like they kept us in line, the discipline, right. the, you know, they weren't scared to say no. And then, you know, we have kids and, you know, we give in because we want to make their life better. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you do go through, you know, like life gets tough, you know, like life does get tough. And when you're given everything in the world, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to learn, you know? So I, I, I think also too, with that, I think it comes back to the leaders, you know, um, you know, there's ADs that don't have the, you know, the fortitude to, to stick with it, to, sure. to like, you know, Hey, I mean, I mean, you know, coaches now, especially in football and basketball, you're in a two-year contract. Even though you're on a six-year contract, or or if you're at Mississippi State, you're on a one-year contract. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you 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 got to win and win now. Right. So there's more and more coaches that won't, um, you know that that won't stick it out. Sure. Um, the number of of coaches that I know that have left the sport or had conversations about living sport and at the college level are far greater than anybody could ever imagine. Sure. And I think there's a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches are making really big money. They really think it's a year to year thing that they, they don't know if they're going to, they're not they're never going to make it or do it anymore no doubt. No because doubt. they don't want to do that. And they look to the pros now where they would never look to the pros. And they're like, well, you know what, if I'm going to have to deal with entitlement, go coach, go coach kids that are, you know, are, are grown adults yeah, and not mature. That, that, Hey, Hey, they know it's straight business. Right. And nothing but business. Well, one thing that I have noticed, you know, that I feel like in, in, you know, kind of the statement that I made was I have a friend who has a son that's a really good football player and they go to Clemson and Dabo sells the fact that he doesn't recruit in the portal. Sign one kid out of the portal and this was maybe last year and that one kid was a legacy kid at Clemson at that. So his sale was, if you come here, we will not replace you with a better player, but at the same time, you look at, you know, they've struggled on the field a little bit too, you know, like, you know, I don't Absolutely. know if, I don't know if that's going to work, you know, like, I don't know if that's going to, I think you're going to have to be more like Lane Kiffin and get in the portal and have a new team every single year, you know, that's what it tends to look like. Yeah. And, and, and you're trying to see what, I mean, you, you have to adapt clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're thinking, I mean, you can still have an impact on kids, but you know, how is that structure? I think, I think there's, there's gotta be a lot more, 
um, you know, put into the, the, the thought process of how are you leading those individuals that you might only have for a year? No doubt. That, that you might only have for a short period of time. Shoot, now guys are there for like a semester and they're gone and changed yep. schools. But, um, it, it, you know, leadership is, is something you learn. Um, I don't know if a, a great book that I would highly, highly encourage any coach to read is Lead for God's Sake by yeah. Todd Gondel. Um, Todd is an incredible author. It, it, it gives it uh, a perspective. I know I learned a lot from it. And that was something that Craig Littlepage brought Todd in to talk to Virginia. Wow. And, you know, that and that's a great book. But read, um, you know, listen to podcasts, listen to all those things. But, 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 you know, read some good books on leadership. Talk to people that are good leaders. Um, well, one thing, you know, we were talking about Nick Saban and, you know, what made me think about this thought was when you said adapt and adjust, you know, I can remember Nick Saban throwing a fit about the RPOs and throwing the ball down the field, you know, with a pulling guard. Well, yeah, he throws a fit, throws a fit, throws a fit. The rule don't change and he right. changes. He starts running RPOs like Excellent. that dude may adapt and adjust better than anybody out there, you know, as oh. far as you transfer portal. Okay. I don't like it, but if we're going to do it, I'm going to be the best at it, you know, like, well, I, I think when you, when you look at how somebody performs and this is bringing it straight to football, um, but, but how somebody performs in the second half, like what kind of halftime adjustments do they make can be applied to anything. Because what kind of adjustments are you going to make after you've seen and got a picture and, you, and you've been in the game? What are you going to do to keep yourself relevant, to keep yourself um, successful, to to make those adjustments to succeed? And Don't you think that is – I mean, that's a great analogy in life too. Absolutely, you know, 100%. Thank God I uh, – saw a different game plan than what I was on early on. You know what I mean? Because early oh, on. Hey, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, I, I just got married for the first time recently. And I've never been married. I've been, I was married to coaching. Sure. And, you know, I see things I'm learning now. Like mm. how to respond to another person that's, that lives in the same house as I do. Amen. You know, um, just those, those pivots, those changes. And I couldn't have done that 20 years ago. I was too, I was too, I was too focused on the goal of, uh, you know, on the great old winning scale and stuff, sure. but, but how do you make those adjustments in the second half of life? Second sure. half of the game in between quarters, you know, Man. no doubt about it. That, that's awesome. Let me ask you this. This is flipping the subject a little bit. Okay. But I want to talk about, you know, the, the national champions you've coached. I want to talk about the all Americans you've coached. What, separates them from, you know, the ones that may have had the talent or, you know, or just didn't ever make it to that. Like what separates them from the rest? Man, I, the first word that came to mind was grit. Mm. Um, and, and I didn't intend it to be grit, <laughs> right? but it just popped in my head. Um, they had something to prove. They had a chip on their shoulder. Um, they might not have been successful as successful early on. And they probably weren't involved in sport uh, that they do at a young age. 
Mm. They, I mean, they picked it up. I, I think, I think the best, most decorated, I'll say, most decorated athlete that I ever had at Virginia was a guy by the name of Philip Mihaljevich. Philip, five NCAA titles in the throws. Um, Philip barely started throwing until he was like fifteen or sixteen. Wow, top five in the world right now in the shot put. I mean, he's a he's a, he's a he's a beast. Super hard worker, attention to detail, and and all those kind of things. But he started late. He played soccer. Wow, and basketball. He he wasn't a track athlete. And I and and I, and I go I'll go another thing. I had a young lady, and I'll let her name out. But I, I had a young lady that was an SEC champion for me at, at Mississippi State, phenomenal, and walked away from the sport right after. I mean, she could have signed a pro contract, but she was burnt out because she'd been doing it since she was five. Right. So, I mean, these parents that keep pushing, you know, and 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 having one sport kids playing football, I'm going to be a basketball player. It's like, you don't even know what you want. No. I mean – I thought I was going to be a big time basketball player because I was five, eight when I was in seventh grade. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, I got to be six foot in eighth grade and guess I didn't, I didn't grow another inch. Right. Eighth grade, six foot's a big dude. Right. And there are not many six foot, uh, you know, power forwards at, you know, any level, you know, I mean, figure things out. Well, but, I love your answer. Grit, you know, have something to prove. Like it really stands out. Do you think, do you think kids, young people struggle more, the ones that have early success and it comes easy? Oh, 100%. You don't learn. Right. Um, but I think I would go with same sex as, a, as an entrepreneur, yeah. a, a coach, you know, because you're going to rest on your laurels. Sure. Or, you know, you're going to rest on, hey, like, it, I did it, this, I was successful. Sure. You know, you know whatever. I, I mean – it, it was amazing to see how many kids had success. When I say success, all American national champ, something like that as a junior mm. and came back and had a terrible senior year. Wow. And how many times did you see that in high school? Yep. Some kid have a breakout sophomore year, a breakout junior year. Yep. They become very average the next year sure. because they get this. Yep. And, and, and this yep. right here starts getting to them. The, the the tweets and the Instagram and yep. they get become what is it, what's the, the quote the insta famous sure. you know I mean they, they they get this this sense and they forget what got them there yep and and coaches do the same thing I mean yep. entrepreneurs business people I mean it's you know it it, yes. it doesn't end with no just doubt. that and yeah. this is the last thing I'm gonna say about Alabama I promise I'm not from Alabama <laughs> well hey I, I can tell you I have a nephew that um that is a diehard i mean roll tide you know fan so well, i hear about him a lot my my you know probably the thing that i treasure the most about the whole process that nick saban has done is the fact that they do it over and over and over yes. and over. that's not normal that's not like to climb the first mountain and look yourself in the mirror and think that you're great and to slack off is normal if you can get up on top of the first mountain but then to keep climbing mountaintops is very uncommon in athletics and in the real world absolutely hey, i when 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 we finished third at nationals when i was at virginia i remember walking onto the field at oregon at the university of oregon to uh to get the trophy ceremony and coach powell who's now a head coach at washington 
Um, he just kind of like in passing says to me, he goes, enjoy it. It's hard. And you're talking about a team that had won multiple national championships sure. at, at Oregon and track and field. And for him to say that, and I, and that kind of was in my mind as I'm walking out to the, to the trophy stand. And it's true. Success is hard. Yeah. Being on the top is not easy because as soon as you get up there, somebody's going to try to take you off. No doubt. So, I mean, teams that do things back to back or show the success over a long period of time, man, that's impressive. It is you impressive. Know, businesses that, that, that stay on top or, or, or continually exceed expectations from a selling standpoint, man, that's impressive. Super yeah. impressive. How, how does, you know, how does somebody like Tom Brady stay oh. on top of his game? Over and over and over and over, like I, it, that is hard to fathom, you know. Like that is, and and I think this, I think it goes back to what you said. Like Tom Brady, his whole life had a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. His whole life, he's he's talking about, Absolutely. you know, where he got drafted, right? Like, yep. you know, he's Absolutely. trying to prove something. Um, Absolutely, you know, I do find that extremely impressive. This is off topic as well. Do you know what the national high school record is in the shot put? Guardian caps are lightweight, one-size-fits-all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive, sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian caps can help protect that helmet investment. I have no idea. You know the uh, guy, the name of the guy what? that owns it. It's Michael Carter, right? Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I still think it's Michael Carter. I mean, I think he, that's the longest-standing record. I think in in high school track and field. I but, would say so. His daughter, pretty good shot putter herself, and he was a heck of a football player. I mean, he, I mean, he's yes. just an just an yeah. athlete. But but I think with with Michael Carter, and I don't think people understand this, elite throwers are some of the best athletes in the world. Like I said, Philip Mihalovich, our, our, the shot putter at Virginia, I mean, he ran 4-5 in the 40. Wow. Electric. electric. Wow. It's 6-7, 270. Like, and that's, wow. you know. Sure. Throwers are so explosive by nature. Yep. It translates. So, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm giving advice to a kid that says, hey, I want to be um, be a good name the sport. Put another sport in there as well. Sure. Because, you know, I mean, if you're trying to develop, uh, you know, explosiveness and speed, run track. You know, I, I mean, make it an off season. Uh, my dad coached for 44 years in high school and he made every single one of his kids, he made them run track. Sure. You know, and and it's a great, it's, it's track coaches sometimes get mad at me when I say all all uh all track and field is a strength and conditioning with a score. Sure. That's all it is. <laughs> sure. I mean, well, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but I was watching an interview with Michael Carter one one time, not here long, not long ago, and they asked him if he thought he if they ever if he thought his record would ever be would ever go down. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm not gonna call the kid's name. He said, but there's a kid somewhere that you know may have a shot. Well, that kid goes to school at Nixon, Missouri, right? Like that kid is. He has, he has a pretty good pedigree. If I he has a pretty good that. pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I I do think he'll break it, but I think also to your to your point, 
He's a kid that plays football. He's a kid that mm -hmm. plays basketball. You know, he's a high school kid that is playing it all intentionally and pretty darn good at all of it, you know? And, and his father was a tough guy. His father was a tough guy, a five-time world champion in himself. He's, so. he's not a small man either. No. Campbell's no, not, not a small man. I would like to have him still come out and play too, because he's actually like upper body man. He's still he's still jacked up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he, now he, at his age, he'd probably get tired after about two plays. But um, hey, he's a big dude. Put him on the goal line, let him open the hole up, and then that's all you need to do. He could do that. There is no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, let me ask you this because I got about I got a couple more, and then I'll let you go. I know you got uh, another uh, interview coming up. Um, mental performance. You know, like how important and how did you how did you teach mental performance? Because I think track and field is a great, you know, like I think mental performance matters. I think that is something that can get some people over the hump. You know, like where do you fall on mental performance? How did you teach your, you know, your athletes mental performance? I, I never did a good job. Um, I, I I was definitely a tough love kind of, of coach. Yep. Um it was an area I definitely could have done a much, much better sure. job. of, And I think nowadays we're, we're learning so much about mental health and, and, and you have to know what buttons to push. Right. You know, you need to know, um, you need to know the hardest thing about coaching in college, what I found out, it always takes a year to figure somebody out. Right. And I would tell athletes, your first year is going to be terrible. Like you're, you're not, it's going to be hard. It's going to be an adjustment because I've got to figure you out. And if that relationship can stay on course through the first year, then you have a better understanding. So you got to know, like, is it a person that when they do bad, you have to rip into them? Right. Or is it a person that if they do bad, you rip into them, you lose them? Sure. Because there's a big difference. And, and understanding the mental makeup of that individual is so hard. That's a, that's a crucial part for a coach. Sure. And you know, it's, it's definitely something I could have done a much, much well, better. It's also, it's also, I think, you know, a fairly new, um, you know, like there's so much more information out there right now about mental performance because there are so many more mental performance coaches, you know, 20 years ago, I never heard the word mental performance coach. You know, I wouldn't even known what that is, you know, and now it has become more prevalent so that, you know, a lot of colleges have a no. mental performance coach, you know, Absolutely. for the if 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 I would have to do it all over again. I mean, I got my degree in physical education exercise science. 100% would have done something in the psychology field. No doubt. Because that, I mean, that's getting to understand especially this generation of individuals that that were that are that are becoming the the, the future athletes yeah. you know they come from a very different society um they don't talk they text sure right they everything's behind a wall there's not a lot of interaction well is that bad well that's that's how things are now so yeah. how do you get to them how do you reach them um how do you communicate on their level Sure. To, to, to bring them in to get the most out of them. And I think that's a that's a that's a tough thing to do. Um, but at the same time, it's it, it's the realness of it. Yeah. And you can again, it's that adapting thing. It's, no it's that, you know. A lesson, I, a lesson I learned through, 
you know, teaching our kids through a leadership academy is, you know, in a room with boys and girls, you ask a question that deals with feelings or emotions or something like that. You get crickets. Okay. But through the use of an app, you ask the question on a screen and let them type their answers anonymously. Oh my gosh, you get 67 answers, you know, like everybody's got one. They just, you know, we are much more, um, we got to meet them where they're at, you know, like we can be absolutely not adapt and adjust, right. And get left behind. And and that's with anybody. I mean, that's knowing it's a little more on the college side, knowing where a kid comes from than on the high school side, but it, but it really does. I think, I mean, because it's, it's very relative, right? Right. You know, I mean, is the kid from Jamaica? Is the kid from Nixon? Is the the kid from, you know, Beverly Hills, California, or is a kid from, you know, you know, Tupelo, Mississippi. Sure. You know, and those four people are going to look at things very differently. No doubt. And how do you reach them where they're at? How do you, you know, do that. I mean, it's a thing that I would, you know, advise any coach. I mean, sure. like, learn how to do that. Like, like get to know athletes. Um, Pete Watson and 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 um, and Mario Wilson, two coaches that were on my staff at Virginia, um, really encouraged me to start. You know, having coffee with our kids. Mm. You know, you're the you're the head coach, and that relationship between being the head coach and being an assistant coach is very different. Sure. And and I would you know, lay caution to the wind for any, any coach that is so anxious to be the head coach and not an assistant coach, totally different personality. Yeah. My, my, my wife, my wife said, you know, man, you like the kids that you coached at Mississippi state and at Cal at Harvard, you know, they're, why don't we run into all the Virginia kids as much? I said, well, at those three places, I was an assistant coach. I was a good guy. I was the guy that they'd come talk to. And it was, it was, it was non, you know, non-threatening a lot of times, but then you become the head coach and then you're the boss and your interactions, because you have so many other external things you're dealing with that you lose that relationship piece. Sure. And, and boy, you want to talk about a regret, you know, biggest regret of, of my, you know, eight years coaching or seven years, whatever it was at Virginia is I didn't develop the relationships that I, that I did at Harvard or Mississippi State, sure. or Cal, with the athletes, because I was so caught up with fundraising, recruiting, administrative things, big picture ideas, sure. that I didn't have that. So if you're thinking about being a head coach, and, and it's why there's great assistant coaches, great offensive coordinators, right. great position coaches that bomb as head coaches, because they either do one of two things. They either try to be something that they're not, or they forget what got them there. Right, and and, and they lose sight of one of those two things. And you know, it, it's you know maybe you're successful because you're such a relational person. No doubt about it. You know, and, and again, that's the biggest regret I have. Sure. Uh, and I would so think it's you know the the food for thought. It's hard. It's hard. Like if talent's number one to me relationships is number two you know like i believe without a shadow of a doubt absolutely watched harding university saturday play um for a chance to go play in a national championship game saturday the relationships between those players and between those players and those coaches was phenomenal 
You know, like it is a large part of their culture and, you know, why they are as successful as they can. Okay. Look, I know you got to go. This is, I want to push this. The and, Just a Cup podcast. Tell me about Just a Cup podcast. We're going to so find just, just a Cup is I actually am getting ready to do, to do one of the, the interviews here in a little bit. Um, just a Cup, it came out of the pandemic. We, we, we did some Instagram live things. Um, with some, some various athletes. I mean, I had everybody on, we we're just trying to get, get them to get content for their social media and do things as we were doing the, um, the American track league and, uh, linked up with believe.com, which is spelled kind of weird. B L E A V.com. They do podcasts for really all the professional teams and everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge, uh, network of podcasts. And can you spell it one more time? B it's, it's a B L E a v.com believe got it. got it um and we started our first one it, it, it went off well we're gonna have athletes olympic sport athletes um from uh all kind of you know sports track sure. and field you know of you know the, the world champion clay shooting um we had sisters and sweat from india on the one that just launched today so we're gonna have a bunch of different ones and, and we're gonna have some coaches on there as well to you know to talk about it's really about you know the athletes and the people that coach them and right. kind of giving them a platform to get to talk about the uniqueness of what they do um because they've got great stories yeah. and giving them a platform so i i love doing that um and I'm, I'm thankful to believe kind of you know jump behind it and 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 kind of you know champion that cause and, and i've got another one faith and facts podcast that i do with jim figio um that's it's based on youtube uh jim was radio host for 18 years and um nutrition space for 30 years and he just kind of shares some stories of wisdom about about uh nutrition and about faith that's awesome uh, so it, it's been kind of fun um this transition leaving coaching getting you know doing broadcasting i'm fortunate yep. to, to do do some broadcasting and and everything like that so it's uh it's it's a fun well, I will, I will put links to, you know, all of that in the show notes. So folks can pull that up that. there. And, you know, the podcasting, like you said, if, you know, if you start listening to those interviews, you're probably going to find some underlying themes as that, that, that are congruent with each of them, you know, about how they became so successful. And, you know, that's one thing I have always tried to do or for a long time, man, like if I get in a vehicle and have more than a 15 minute drive, I'm going to listen to a podcast yep. because absolutely add value to my life. And although I love music from time to time, it's not a great value. I mean, what, what's your, you never stop learning. Nope. You know, when, when you, when you cease to stop learning, you really cease to exist. No and doubt you about it. You know, learning something. No whether doubt. It, it's what, I mean, I, I read, you know, I don't read as many books anymore, but I read the Bible a lot. more. Sure. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's what you're trying to like bring into yourself to, to well, learn. Brian, the first thing is this, the Bible is obviously the, um, the, uh, the original leadership story in the, in the world. Right. So hundred percent. So if you're reading the Bible, you're getting, you're getting the leadership that everything else is written about for sure. Hey, yeah. I mean, that's, it was funny. I searched for a long period of time. This was probably, this was back when I was coaching in Virginia and trying to figure out, you know, different things. And I kept asking all these people for good books. Right. Mm. 
And, um, you know, what, you know, what's a good leadership book. And I couldn't find any, like, I was just like, you know, I couldn't find any. And it was kind of like that small whisper. That, yep. You want a good leadership book? Let me tell you about Solomon. Let me tell you about David. Let me tell you about Joshua. Let me, let me, let me walk you through the good leaders and the bad leaders. Yes, sir. And how it kind of went through. And it was, it was really amazing that I put my more focus on reading that than I did trying to find that ultimate book right. that's going to well, tell you this, you know, aha moment of wisdom. <laughs> I think I think you probably just spoke for a lot of people. You know, I think there's a lot of us that, you know, search for great books, search for this, but you know, there's so much wisdom in that book, you know, that sometimes we overlook it or take it for granted. All right, last thing, tell me about Iron Faith and Nutrition. Ah, Iron Faith Nutrition, nutrition company. I'm privileged to be uh, a, a part of the ownership group. And um, it's natural, natural type products. Um, been around for a while. Um, we have natural anti-inflammatory. We have, uh, you know, curcumazyme, which is informed sports certified, which it's the only natural anti-inflammatory that's, that's in, you know, that's drug tested essentially. Yep. Um to make sure you're not taking something you're not supposed to. And um, it, it, it comes from a, a it's a faith-based company, but it, you know, it also, it's, it's, it's very holistic based natural medicine sure. uh, kind of getting back. And I think that's, you know, it's helped me change my lifestyle of eating and, and how I do things um, when you learn more about what you're putting in your body and uh, been very fortunate um, to be a part of that. And, and, uh, I think we, 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 we bought, we became owners of it back in 2018. So it's been a little ways and it, you know, like any small business, it kind of goes up and downs, but sure. uh, products are top of the line and we've got a bunch of different stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll put a link to that as well. All right. What if somebody wants to follow you on social media? Are you on all of the social media? Uh, I, LinkedIn, Brian Fetzer, uh, Facebook, Brian Fetzer, and then Instagram is uh, Coach Fetz. And that's, those are the, okay. I, I you, you would be, um, you might be disappointed if you see how much I, I share. Cause I don't, uh, I do a far, le a far less amount now that I'm not coaching than I did then. But usually when, uh, when, when I do share something, it's, it's, it's probably pretty good, but we'll start having the, the, it, the uh, just a cup stuff is going to be in there a little bit more too. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And Brian, I just want to thank you for uh, having the you conversation. Having the, the title of the show is never stop getting better. It's a theme Amen. of my life. And you have helped me today as if I had not, <laughs> if I hadn't already gotten better, you have gotten me better today. So, you know, thank you for honoring me that. and our folks that listen by coming on the show. No, I, I appreciate it. You made you made my bed. Anytime you can you can tell things and and relive experiences and relieve thought processes, it helps you grow sure. because it puts things in perspective for you. It humbles you, it it it, it brings things to light. So I, I I appreciate it. And if I can ever do anything, just shoot me a DM or whatever. Yes, we'll uh, go from there. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you and I appreciate everybody that listens, man. Everybody that's tuned in today. Thank you very much for being a part of the show. Um, thank Brian by following him, by getting in the show notes and looking up the Just a Cup and all the information that I will share right there. Until next time, adios, amigos.